You're listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. It's season 14 of the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. Performing through the summer months, the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse is presented by the Sonic Society for the Mutual Audio Network and features producers and actor troops from the modern age of audio drama who recreate and reproduce classic old-time radio plays. The Playhouse endeavors to bring shows to a contemporary audience for the love of the medium and not in any intended form of copyright infringement of those classic radio shows. And now, we go to our host of the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse on stage now, Mr. David Alt. It's a special feature tonight as we come to you live from your best seats in the house here at the historic Halifax Playhouse. Most of us are well familiar with the science fiction greats of the old X-1 and Dimension X, but there are some less famous shows that have grand tales of the mysteries of the imaginations. Tonight, Mr. Larry Groby provides the introduction for our feature, Syndrome Johnny. Radio Workshop, and you've tuned into Project Audio. Got a few minutes? Good, settle in for a while. Our new show recreates a lost episode of a forgotten science fiction series from the classic era of audio drama. You know, if you think about it, when you listen to a show like this, you're really taking this time travel trip on multiple levels. Here's a sci-fi drama from the past purporting to show us our future. Now, even the great radio shows like Dimension X could only extrapolate based on what the world was like in the middle of the 20th century, uh, which means there are often gaps in science and technology. On the other hand, human nature is pretty much a constant. (laughs) Human nature. You know, we've all come through some pretty challenging years lately. Remember the fear we all felt in 2020 when the COVID pandemic first hit? That uncertainty about who or what was safe, those empty streets, the shut-down businesses. I can easily conjure up in my mind the solemn reports on the nightly news about the latest cases and the death counts, and feel the insecurity about where it came from and what might happen next. Well, it does seem like we've come through this epidemic all right to this point although it's certainly left a mark. But remember how powerless we recently felt 
<laughs> because people probably felt that same way during the Spanish influenza epidemic of 1918, uh, the bubonic plague in London in the 1600s, and the, the Black Death. And yeah, it could happen again. What happened in the past may happen again in the future, probably will happen, and do we have the power to stop it? Well, thereby hangs today's tale. It's a tale I've wanted to produce for Project Audion right from the start, but the subject matter of a worldwide epidemic hit just a little too close to home for people. Until now. Well, before we begin, a little bit of backstory about the radio series Tales of Tomorrow. A few years after World War II, both westerns and science fiction genres emerged as things that adults could take seriously, uh, no longer stuff just for the kiddos. Westerns looked back, sci-fi looked forward, and I'm sure somebody has written a thesis about all this. But on the futuristic side, authors like Asimov, Heinlein, Bradbury, and others were writing stories that we still enjoy today. Into this environment, Tales of Tomorrow was launched as a pioneering television show in 1951, and it gained a following despite the live productions and limited budgets. Well, then, in January 1953, Tales of Tomorrow made a curious leap backwards into a radio version. Hmm. Well, at least on the radio, your imagination could conjure up a whole universe— even if the show's budget only permitted music from an organist, a trombone, a vibraphone, and a percussion. Now, even though Tales of Tomorrow adapted quality stories from Galaxy Magazine, the radio version never found a sponsor. And so it lasted only a few months. Most of the few recordings that survive have sound quality that makes them hard to listen to, and the episode that we're recreating, titled Syndrome Johnny, doesn't survive at all. So Project Audion is excited to present this story for a national audience for the first time in 70 years. It's not been heard since February 5th, 1953. Our transcontinental cast performs Tales of Tomorrow's Syndrome Johnny in the classic audio drama style, live in one interrupted take to recapture the spirit of this pioneering science fiction show. A story of the future from out of the past. So sit back, enjoy, and remember, it's not a matter of if the next pandemic arrives, but when. Tales of Tomorrow. Tales beyond human imagination until they happen. Tales of Tomorrow, Episode 6, Syndrome Johnny by Charles Dye. This is your host, Omentor, saying hello. Question. Can I predict the future? Answer. No. I make no prognostications. I tell my remarkable tales only because I've been into the future. And on my journeys, I've noted one thing. History repeats itself. With variations, of course. The story tonight is a repetition, in a way, when you recall the great plagues of the Middle Ages. They had the Black Death then. In my tale of tomorrow, however, it's the Syndrome Plague. 
There's a difference in that the syndrome plague was not spread by vermin or animals, but by a very well-kept human being. There are other differences, as you'll see. As you'd know if you read in Galaxy Magazine the story called Syndrome Johnny. Headquarters, Federated States of America, 2090 AD. In this nerve center of the Western Hemisphere, all is normal except the blood pressure of Lucius McVeigh, who heads the Office of Health Control. McVeigh is scanning the latest newspaper editorials concerning his organization and, to put it mildly, is fit to be tied. In a case like this, the first person to enter the office is the one to take the blast. It was Julio Camba, a special investigator for the department. Here's the report on the... Will you tell me the meaning of this, Julio? Meaning, meaning of what? The newspapers, climbing up my back, every one of them. They've taken this story that came out of Peru and blown it up to bursting. Well, it will be the story of Tikahalpa. That, that syndrome Johnny was seen down there. Seen and nearly caught, or so it says. But the papers are demanding that I take action. Find this man, wipe out the possibility of another plague. Blast it, Julio! Syndrome Johnny's a myth. Has been for a hundred years. Now how the deuce do they expect me to track down the myth? <clears throat> Excuse me, Lucius. Perhaps we better glance at this report from Mass Phenomena before discussing it further. What's the Mass Phenomena got to do with it? I'm being crucified, man. I fear the papers are too hasty, jumping at conclusions. However, please, glance at this chart. I never could understand these graphs. It simply represents the entire file on Syndrome Johnny. Every report that's come through in the last century, he has been seen, supposedly, in the four corners of the Earth. But nobody has really ever seen him. It's the sort of thing that would naturally be induced by fear. So it has always been felt, but apparently somebody in the mass phenomena has glanced through the file recently. Look at this line. On the graph, Lucius. Description? Always there have been descriptions of Syndrome Johnny. Now it suddenly de develops that each description has a remarkably similarity to all the others. Let me see this. Solid looking man. Unusual number of minor scars. Disturbing habit of breaking his fingers at the first joint knuckles when he is thinking. I call it coincidence if you like, but there are perhaps 20 such reports. It becomes too many. Hmm. Uh, I must agree with you, Julio. There's a chance we've been passing up a crime. <laughs> a rather extensive crime, when you consider that over 50 million people have died. And we cannot overlook the one positive thing in connection with the history of the plague. It started by one man. And one man who sold a pint of his blood to a hospital. One man who carried death in his veins. We must remember also there have been three separate epidemics in 300 years. All of these similar in nature, but each one having different symptoms. You could almost say that these three plagues have followed a plan. I have long since learned to describe nothing as impossible, Julio. Oh, what is there to go on in this report from Peru? A thumbprint taken from the hotel register. 
I wonder. Could we persuade the Bureau of Records to give us their data on that print? Without a warrant? It is against constitutional immunity. Uh, perhaps we could persuade an obliging judge to... Uh, the same newspaper screaming for Syndrome Johnny's capture would be on our necks in a minute. It would have to be proven that this man committed a crime. No crime, but therefore no warrant on that fingerprint. Then a crime will have to be manufactured. A crime of what nature? If the man was almost captured, as reported, and he must have defended himself, someone must have been hurt in the process. A reasonable assumption. You will go down there, Julio, and persuade one of the mob to swear out a complaint of assault. Huh. That should not be difficult, believing this man to be Syndrome Johnny as they do. I, I could probably get an affidavit of witchcraft. Assault will do. Armed with that, you will check the records of the accompanying thumbprint, then proceed to find the owner of same. Is this an assignment or a career? There hasn't been an episode of Syndrome Plague for 30 years. If one man is responsible for it, following a definite plan, then we should be about due for another one. This could be an errand of mercy, Julio, to save the lives of another 20 million people. people of the world were all too familiar with the history of the last century. They were not only expecting another worldwide epidemic at any time. Each family was pathetically trying to think of some way to protect itself against the scourge. Even as the previous conversation was taking place in Federation headquarters, a husband and wife were sitting down to breakfast in a small Peruvian city. It's a safe bet that the discussion between Nita and Ricardo Alcala was being duplicated daily throughout the world. Will there be another epidemic, Rick? Hmm? Epidemic? Every day I read that one is expected momentarily. Syndrome plague, you mean, Nita? What else could make everyone so afraid? I don't think there will be another. Well, why don't you think so? It's only that, well, there has been nothing for years. I, I think the plague has run its course. Well, three decades passed between the second and third epidemics. Please, darling, stop worrying. And I will have some more coffee, if you don't mind. Of course. People all over the world talk constantly of the epidemic that is sure to come. You must not be disturbed by idle talk. It is based only on the fact that the first three occurred about 30 years apart. There is no reason in the world to suspect another one is due. I was thinking of Alicia. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry I shouted, darling. She is too frail. Sanitarium will make her well again. There is time, perhaps. There will be time. Send you there for a while. It is really you who needs building up. And you also, Rick. Oh, it seems that no one is really well anymore. You are reading too much. Too much of this speculation about... Rick, why don't you find a cure? I am to find a cure? For syndrome plague? Well, you spend your life in research. What could be more worthwhile? Oh. 
Better brains than mine have been tackling the problem for decades. I'd have little hope of adding anything at this late stage. But there is always the chance, Rick. I can be more useful in my experiments with silicon, darling. The plagues have opened up whole new catalogues of diseases, most of them based on silicon deficiency. Let me find a cure for them, and I'll be satisfied. Oh, if you will only think of Alicia. Good morning. Morning, Dell. You are ready for an early start in the lab? Oh, you know how it is when you get onto something, Rick. You hate to waste time sleeping. Some coffee, Dell? No thanks, Nita. Just looked in to say hello. Why don't you find a cure for syndrome plague? I'm only a biochemist, not a miracle man. Good heavens! Isn't there anyone in the world qualified to do research on this horrible disease? It's generally agreed that there is no cure. Well, there's a cure for any virus, if the virus can only be isolated. But here we have, apparently, a virus catalyst of high affinity for the cells, and a high similarity to normal cell protein. How shall it be isolated? I don't know. I don't know, but, but it must be, or we will all perish. Not at all. Some will live, and those who do will be better. Much more durable human beings. Will you be working in the lab today, Rick? Yes. I don't think we'll get in each other's way. I promise to be quiet. See you upstairs. Sorry, Rick. I do not like that man. He's hard to know, Nita. He's been using your lab now for many months, and I've tried to know him and like him. For your sake. Oh, now I tell you, it's impossible. It's just his manner. He's not a social type. It's more than his manner, believe me. Well, I'm afraid you can't do any more about Dell than you can about Syndrome Plague, Nita. The man is a genius, and I like him. He'll use my lab as long as he likes. I didn't mean to quarrel about it, Rick. I'm uneasy, I guess, about everything. You're not looking too well, either. Oh, I'm all right. <laughs> You'll say that so long as you can walk. We've got to build you up, darling. Before the next epidemic. I have something, Lucius. You should have, Leo. It's taken you long enough. He's had a lengthy career, this man. There. The complete history of Syndrome Johnny. The man who may be Syndrome Johnny. Uh, no, I'm sure. Oh, that folder, it's big enough to be the complete works of Shakespeare. He's been a very busy fellow, as you will see. Two questions. First, how will you prove our case? I am not certain. Not yet. Now, a test of his blood will reveal nothing. And no trace of the virus has ever been found. But his habits are well defined. He has spent years in preparation for each epidemic. If I am lucky, I will catch him in the end product of his experiments. I pray that luck rise with you. Now, what's your plan? He has remained somewhere in Peru, where his thumbprint and description, I will be able to trace him. And you leave... Today. But you will have the full authority to spend whatever funds you need, Julio. Do anything your discretion dictates. And be careful. 
He's dangerous, if this is our man. We want Syndrome Johnny, and I don't care if he comes back under his own power or not. to the liter at 100 degrees centigrade saturation point now where do we go oh drown it had a bad day rick uh, i i can't focus dell some days are good to take off the mind becomes overworked and refuses to function uh, it's not that this other thing keeps coming into my head uh, about alicia and nita something they've done no, no, just their general condition. They're sick, Dell, both of them. There seems nothing basically wrong with them. It's a matter of adjustment, I know that. There's a reduced absorption of food. It leaves them weak, resistance lowered. That's not fatal. Not in itself. Expose them to a killing disease, though, and they'd be gone overnight. Well, you're the doctor, Rick. Haven't you got something to pull them up? <sighs> nothing has worked so far. I'm sure I'll hit the combination in time, but... Yes? What will I do if the rumors are true? If the plague hits? And I've heard you telling Nita there wouldn't be another epidemic. Uh, I only tried to stop her from worrying about it. You know that. I know. You recognize their troubles as after-effects of the last plague? Of course. Nita's mother had it and recovered, but not entirely. My father had it and appeared to recover completely. Yet, there are after-effects in both myself and Nita, and multiplied, if anything, in our daughter. Mm, how unfortunate. Some were able to adjust to the disease and become even healthier than before. But time, time, it takes time. And what if the fourth plague strikes before I'm ready? You might try to isolate your family entirely. Oh, that's impossible then you must work to come up with answers to your research before the plague strikes. Not a very happy prospect, is it? I'll be happy to give you any help I can, Rick. Oh, you can't do anything. I, it would take me a year just to brief you on what I've done. And you've got your own work. Uh, I'm going to take an hour's rest. This is your night at the hospital, not so? Yes, and if I don't get my nerves unknotted, they'll be putting me to bed over there. Get your rest. I'll go on working here this evening, if you don't mind, Rick. Not at all. It sounds as though you've hit the right track and are pounding to the finish. It looks that way. I'll know tonight. Good. I'm glad somebody is getting results. Alcala speaking. Dr. Alcala? Y yes? Who's this? The name is Campa, a Federation investigator on a health case. I would like to consult you. Well, I'm on duty at the hospital right now. 
Todd, my deepest apologies for interrupting your work. However, this is quite important. I should like to see you. Tonight, if possible. I'm off duty in half an hour. Uh, perhaps we can have a little supper. Name the place. I have found a cantina at the head of the Simon Bolivar Street. You know, you, you know the one? I know. Meet you there in half... Uh, well, better make it 45 minutes. Very good, Doctor. I will have a table. What does a Federation investigator want with me? Order what you choose, senor. We're on my expense account. The entire resources of the Federation States of the Americas stands behind your men. <laughs> I don't want to build up the national debt. Not at all. We are only too happy to express our gratitude by adding a touch of the luxury to the self-sacrificing life of a scientist. You shame me. However, I'm a literal sort of fellow and will take you at your word. You may order me a steak. Oh, good. Uh, amigo, two steaks, large and thick, also a bottle of your excellent wine. Of course, I'm curious to know what you want from me, Senor Camba. I won't keep you guessing, Doctor. Do you know John Osborne Drake? 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 No, I'm, I'm sorry. I will try again. Perhaps you know John Delgatos? What? Yes. How well? Uh, an associate of mine, a friend. I would like to contact the gentleman. Well, he has an apartment. I, I have called several times and he is not at home. Could you tell me where he is? I'm sorry, Senor Camba, but I can't say. On a business trip, I suppose? And what do you know of his activities? Uh, a biochemist. Makes small job lots of chemical compounds, special bug spray for experimental agricultural stations, things like that. Nothing more? Sometimes when he gets a little money, he does research. Oh, of what sort? Uh, high ion colloidal suspensions and complex synthesis. Uh, we haven't discussed the exact nature of them. Is he sane? <laughs> Why, of course. That is, as far as I know. Would you hand me the water pitcher, please? <laughs> there is wine. Oh, you'll have some capsules to take. Yes. <laughs> I would not expect a doctor to need pills. I don't need them. They're mixed silicones. I'm guinea pigging. Oh, can such things be left to uh, the guinea pigs? Guinea pigs have no assimilation of silicones. Only man has that. Oh, I should have remembered from your famous papers the need of trace silicon in human diet and silicon deficiency diseases. Obviously, you have investigated me carefully. It is my business to know the people I deal with. Oh, I believe our steaks are approaching. A welcome sight and smell. What is the purpose of your experiment? To determine the safe limits of silicon consumption and see if there are dangers in an overdose. How do you determine that? By dropping dead? You could be right. Even now I'm turning to plastic. I, I beg your pardon. I'm turning to plastic. We all are, since the plagues. But... With the average, the effect is accumulating over generations. 
My own case is being advanced unnaturally by these silicon experiments. Your devotion to science is admirable, but do these experiments of yours have any relation to Delgado's work? It's possible, I suppose. Uh, Del has watched my work with close interest. Exactly what do you wish to know, Senor? I could inform you better if you were more frank. We... We have reason to believe that Delgado's is Syndrome Johnny. Del? <laughs> That's preposterous, Senor. Syndrome Johnny is a myth. Dr. Alcala, John Delgado's is very old, and that is not his proper name. I have traced his life back through older and older records in Argentina, Panama, South Africa, the United States, China, Canada. Everywhere he has paid his taxes properly, put his fingerprints on file as a good citizen should, and he has changed his name every 20 years. Applying to the courts with good, honest reasons to do so. Everywhere he's been a laboratory worker, held patents, sometimes made a good deal of money. He is 140 years old. But, but other men are that old. Some of those who survived the three plagues have become unusually durable, it's true. There is no crime in being long-lived, surely, but this man has changed his name five times. Proves nothing. Syndrome Johnny remains a myth, a fragment of mob delirium. Why must he be a myth? It's ridiculous. Why would any man... Go on, Doctor. Why would any man intentionally start those plagues? Obviously haven't investigated the latest scientific research. If you had, you would know it's been recently discovered that Syndrome Plague is not a disease at all. It's an improvement. An improvement on life. <laughs> Then people have been improved to death by the millions. No, Doctor, you are wrong to shield him in this way. We are stronger. We are changed chemically. The race is improved. Nonsense. It's clear you're shielding Syndrome Johnny because he is your friend. No. Potentially, we are tremendously stronger, but we of this generation are still weak and ill as our parents were from the shock of change. We need silicone feeding. We've not yet adjusted. Our illness masks our strength. The disease is silicones, you say. The original name of John de Geldos was John Osborne Drake. His father was Osborne Drake, a chemist in Dow Corning who was sentenced to the electric chair in 1967. The crime? Unauthorized experiments resulting in an accidental epidemic and eight deaths. Dow Corning was the first major company in America to manufacture silicones, though not connected with Drake's illegal experiments. It adds up, does it not? It is not a disease, it is strength. <laughs> Very well, Doctor. I can see further talk is useless. Lives will be saved in the long run. Individual deaths are not important. That is hardly the philosophy for a doctor, is it? I want no more of this meal. You'll excuse me. I'll go on home. My copter is outside, doctor. I, I, I will give you a lift. Well, all right. Thank you.
can see my house across town, senor. It stands quite apart from the others. I see it, yes. Come on, Gala, you're a doctor dedicated to saving human lives. How can you find sympathy for a man like Syndrome Johnny? I'm a research man, primarily, dedicated to improving the average life. Individuals may sicken and die, but the average lives on. And if the average is better, I'm satisfied. A pleasant philosophy, if you can believe it. Look, I will take my penknife. The blade is razor sharp. I will press the blade as hard as possible against my finger. It would cut off the finger of a normal person. Now look, in the panel light, you will see only the barest scratch on my finger. Your hand must be very hard. It has become like a rock. I could crack a heavy plate of cast iron. The silicone feeding has made me that way. Does that prove my point? It proves only that a good and worthy man will cut off his hand for an unworthy friendship. Thank you, senor. I'm afraid I can't ask you in, my, uh, wife. I understand. Good night. Good night. When I see Delgados, I'll say that you're looking for me. <laughs> By all means, Doctor. I expect you to. You've been running, Rick. The, the feds are after you. They think you're Syndrome Johnny. It's all right. Everything is done. There's the stuff I was after in that metal box. You haven't time for that now, Del. You can't sell it. They'd watch for anyone of your description selling chemicals. Let me lend you some money. Thanks. I won't need it. How close are they to finding me? There's a copter parked out front. A federal investigator brought me home. Uh, apparently he didn't believe what I told him. What did you tell him? That you were probably away on a business trip. Uh, I think he suspects you're right here. One man only? Yes. Uh, he can't watch both entrances. And my copter is out back. Del! Del! Are you Syndrome Johnny? I thought you had figured that out. Are you horrified? I've... I've wanted to ask you, Del. When did you pick up those scars? I don't know, Rick. Truthfully, I've had my brains beaten in so often I can't remember much anymore. Up to age 11, everything is all right. But after Dad started to remake me, everything gets fuzzy. After he did what? Well, he had to remake me. Chemically, you know. How could I spread change without being changed myself? I couldn't have three generations to adapt to it naturally. It had to be done artificially. You understand? Your, your father? Your father built you into a carrier of the plague? Oh, yes. He saw the necessity of remaking the human race, building human bodies into something durable. His work was only the beginning, of course. I've had to go with the research myself. For example, Dad never thought more than one plague would be necessary. As things turned out, it's going to take four. Then 
Then there will be another. <laughs> They're too late, Rick. I've made it. The catalyst I need is in this metal box. Nothing can stop me. But, Dell, do you realize how many millions more will die? I don't think I'll survive it myself. But this is the last step, Rick, and I'll be around long enough to get it going. Those who survive this one, Rick, will be nearly perfect. So will their children. A hundred years from now, there'll be little use for a doctor on this earth. Goodbye, Rick. Wish me luck. Good... Goodbye, Dell. Aren't you going to stop him? Stop him, Nita? I heard what he said. You can't let him get away from here, Rick. I, I, I can't stop him, Nita. Why not? Are you afraid of him? I, I will call for help. The, the Federal Copter is still down in front. He's a scientist and my friend, trying to do something that needs to be done. He's a murderer of untold millions. How can you talk this way? He's working for the future. And the future will thank him. Don't you understand, Nita? He's going to make the human race physically perfect. Oh, I understand this. Perhaps within a week, the fourth plague will start and sweep around the world like the others. The living will not be able to bury the dead fast enough, and among the dead will be Dr. Richard Alcala, who is not well, and his wife, Nita, who is not well, and his daughter, Alicia, who is a very sick little girl. The name of Alcala will die forever as a weak strain that had no business living in this world of the future. This world of perfect human bodies. Nita... Please. I know you won't act for yourself, darling. But will you let Alicia die? Your beautiful daughter, Alicia? Quiet, you fool. Give me that metal box. Are you out of your mind? You can't start another plague, Dell. I'll do what I have to do. Out of the way, Rick. I have everything stowed in the copter, and I want to leave before an investigator begins to sniff the wind. You've been my friend, Dell. I ask you, as a friend, give me that box of death. For the better part of 140 years, I've been working toward this end. Are you silly enough to think I'd let friendship stand in the way? You're a supposedly intelligent man, Rick. A scientist. You know as well as I do that the end justifies the means. That's what I've tried to tell myself, Dell, but I can't make myself believe it. I've never had that trouble. Now get out of the way. I'm going up and out of here in a hurry. Give me that box, Dell. Out of the way, I said. Give me the box, or I'll have to kill you. <laughs> I've heard that said before. In any event, Dr. Akala, I will relieve you of the necessity. You may consider yourself under arrest, Elgados. So, the long arm of the government, eh? The doctor's wife was good enough to inform me. You will never get off the ground in that copter, Delgados, because I've got the motor beyond repair. I should have known. Uh, but they're still yours. Oh! I think you've killed him. Perhaps. 
I'm afraid the same thing will happen to you, my friend. If you try to prevent me from taking that Federation copter. I believe you, Del. Your fist is like a rock. Exactly. Stand where you are, and everything will be all right. But my fist can also crush a skull, Del. My silicon fist! My silicon fist, which I developed without starting a plague. Goodbye, Syndrome Johnny. Human perfection will have to wait. That's it. Syndrome Johnny. Written by Charles Dye, and now on the newsstands in the pages of Galaxy Magazine. Next week, another extraordinary tale of tomorrow out of Galaxy Magazine, entitled The Unimars Plot. This is your host, Omentor. Until next week, my friends, do stay healthy. Tales of Tomorrow. Produced by ABC in association with George Foley, and directed by Warren Somerville. This program came to you from New York. This is the ABC Radio Network. As the omniscient narrator said, that's it. Syndrome Johnny from 1953's Tales of Tomorrow. Well, let's hope this is one future that doesn't come to pass. Heard in this show were Trevor Rhines in Canada as the host, Omentor, Tim Burns in Kansas as Lucius McVeigh, Jack Ward in Canada was Julio Camba, Rhiannon McAfee in California was Nita Alcala, Greg McAfee, also in California, as Rick Alcala, and Gary Layton in Texas as Syndrome Johnny. Sound patterns, production, and direction were by yours truly, Larry Groby. We hope you enjoy our radio recreation podcasts. Please do subscribe so you'll hear each new episode monthly. And visit the Project Audion website to let us know how we're doing. On behalf of everyone affiliated with Project Audion, thanks for listening. Thank you, Larry Groby, and thank you, Project Audion players. As we sweep away our spotlights for tonight, please remember to get your tickets for next week's feature here at the Playhouse as our summer stock features continue all summer long. Until next week, I'm David Alt. Good night from Halifax, Nova Scotia. And that concludes our feature this week for the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. All productions, features, characters and scripts presented in the Playhouse belong strictly to their copyright holders and no infringement is assumed or intended. The Sonic Summerstock Playhouse is part of the Sonic Society and is a proud member of the Mutual Audio Network where we listen and imagine together. Please join Jack Ward and myself next week at this time for our next grand performance feature.
Sonic Cinema production. say he's a force, not of nature, but of something more primal than that. He's the acid taste of vengeance you can't quite swallow down in a town that's besieged by fear, an unbreathed regret. Others say he was a man who wouldn't rest until all the pain in the world was fed back to those who minded out of others. He's only known by one name, from county to county, in the hours past dawn, and in the haze-filled air, you'll see him walking towards you if you keep secrets, if you harm folks. He's the drifter, and he won't stop. Till sorrow's end. A weird western series from Jeffrey Billard starring The Drifter. From Audio Groovecats and the Amigo Collective. Coming 2023 only on Mutual with Episode 1 before a wind. <laughs>